As Will shared during the week of August 3 through 10, our church is going to be hosting several women in this building under the umbrella of Caritas. You just saw a little bit, a little bit of what it is that, that Caritas does, and they're going to call this place home for that week. And like the people in the video, many of them will be dealing with some kind of brokenness in their lives. Broken homes, broken circumstances, broken relationships, even internal brokenness. We've been carrying out this ministry for the past five years now, and every year has been incredibly rewarding for those who have participated in it. And some of the people who have come through the, the program and been with us have been very, very open about their lives. And they've talked very honestly about some of their failings and some of their struggles. And, and it's, been, it's been really refreshing to hear them just, just tell their story whenever they've wanted to share. But they break your heart. And yet, there's hope. And they reflect that hope. And all of us are going to have an opportunity to share in this ministry. And I I can't stress enough the importance of you to be able to do that. Lynn Shope and or Melissa Raza are going to be out at the the table that Will referred to uh, at the conclusion of the service to talk about how you can purchase some items if you can't be involved, but more importantly, how you can participate throughout the week and really make a difference in the lives of these women who will be here during that week. Because we're going to get to model Jesus to those who are forgotten in our society. We're going to be able to serve those for whom Jesus has a soft spot. And a lot of times we end up getting offended by that and say, oh, well, don't we have a, aren't we special to God? Yeah, we are. But he loves those who are broken. He has a soft spot for them. And the truth be said, folks, it's not just the people in Caritas, because there are some people in here who are broken as well. Some are like the man in the video who try to deaden the brokenness that they feel through alcohol and drugs or something else. And then there are others who, like the lady in the video right there at the end, was hiding her brokenness behind a tough exterior and a rough attitude and some anger. And still others of us are caught up in a flurry of busyness, going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, because if we stop, if we stop, The pain is there, and it's haunting. We've been looking at this series, and we started a series last week called This Is Us. And it's basically a takeoff on the series that is found on TV that many of you are still fans of. And uh, hopefully you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you can look it up on NBC.com and and follow up with some some of the series. You know, it's a really good one. Or we wouldn't have called this movie, this series, This Is Us, okay? It really is intriguing because it talks about life. It talks about real life without any punches. And one of the main characters in there is Randall. Um, He's one of the children of Jack and Rebecca Pearson, but he knows that he is adopted. 
But as an adult, he discovers that his real dad is still alive. And the emotions of abandonment, of resentment, run high in him as he deals with the reality of some brokenness that he's always wondered about in his life. Why was he separated from his dad, he asked. Why did dad let this happen? What took place? There's a family that had a world of brokenness take, take place in their lives. And it's found in the book of Genesis, and it's the family of Jacob. I mean, all you got to do, just start reading a little bit, and, and you just find, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, just a whole bunch of stuff. So many in this tribe of 70 people were inwardly broken. But one place in which that brokenness was seen was in their relationships with one another. I mean, Jacob had four wives. Not necessarily a good formula for success if you catch my drift, okay? On top of that, he had 12 sons and a daughter from these women. And the competition of who got the most attention and recognition was pretty intense among them. And on top of that, rather than treating his children equally with equal respect and equal value, Jacob had a favorite, and his name was Joseph. So favored was he that Jacob made him a coat of many colors. But he didn't do that for the other sons. And I suspect that Joseph kind of got a cocky attitude about himself. I mean, he was only 17 at the time. You know, you know how 17-year-olds can... Well, I, I won't ask you 17-year-olds, you know. <laughs> I remember what I was like when I was 17. Kind of cocky, kind of thinking, man, I'm better than somebody else and this, that, and the other. Always trying to prove myself. And I suspect that Joseph probably had some of that attitude. And he went so far as to tattle on his brothers about something that they were doing. And then on top of that, he told them about some dreams that he had. And basically those dreams focused on the fact that they were going to bow down to him. Not a good formula for success in relationships. And Genesis chapter 37 verse 4 says that his brothers hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And then just 10 verses later, 37, 14 says that they plotted to kill him. So strong was their hatred for him. I'm so glad they didn't because they chose not to. They changed their minds. Instead, when the opportunity came, they stripped Joseph of his coat. They threw him in a a dry well. And then they sold him into slavery to a band of Midianites who were traveling toward Egypt. And then they took that coat of many colors and they dipped it in animal blood and they took it over to dad and they said hey dad we found this and they made him assume that his favored son had died by the hands of a wild animal in the meantime joseph became a slave in egypt and he became a slave in Egypt to Potiphar, who was a chief of the chief of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, but also his chief executioner. I don't mind telling you that relationships between Joseph and his brothers were broken. Joseph was probably broken at this point. 
After all, it couldn't get much worse after this, could it? But the reality is that that it did. Life seemed to go as normal for for Joseph's brothers. Everything continued to, 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 to resume back into its natural cycle. But then Joseph labored in obscurity. And even though he was doing a good job at what he was doing, he got accused of something that he did not do and was unfairly thrown into prison. And he stayed in that prison for over two years. I don't know about you, but when stuff happens to me, a lot of times, and I know that somebody else has played a role in it directly or indirectly, I find myself thinking, well, if they hadn't been such jerks, can I get an amen on that? And you, and, and you get really uptight about it. And I can imagine that Joseph was dealing with the very same thing in his life. And he was probably blaming his brothers just like we want to blame others. Thirteen long years passed between his slavery in, in Potiphar's house and his time in, uh, in the jail. And Joseph could have become a bitter man. But somehow he managed to learn how to do things with excellence. And he reflected that in everything that he did. And even though the situations were not as good as he wanted them to be or as we would envision them to be, he got some special treatment because of his abilities and because of his hard work. You read through Joseph's darker days and you will find that the Lord was with Joseph. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3 says, A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Psalm 34 verse 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Someone has wisely said that God seldom chooses and uses people from the ranks of the unscarred. Folks, just like the Lord was with Joseph, he's with us too. And he has promised to never leave us or forsake us, even when relationships around us break. And so while Joseph was in in prison, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had some dreams. And you can read this throughout the entire book of Genesis, beginning with verse 37 on to the end of the chapter. But he had some dreams, and they were pretty perplexing, and he asked for interpretation. And finally, since no one could be found to interpret the dreams, they called Joseph, and they found out that he could interpret dreams, and he was brought up from prison. And he told of seven years of abundance within the crops of Egypt, followed by seven years of very severe famine, which needed to be prepared for. And as Joseph told Pharaoh about this, he said, I got a plan. Here's something that you need to be looking at. And, and Pharaoh liked the idea. And he said, well, you came up with a plan. Why don't you go ahead and implement it? 
You seem to be qualified for the job. And instantaneously, a guy who had been languishing in prison for over two years is suddenly elevated to being the number two person in command of the entire nation of Egypt, which happened to be the superpower of the day. You see, Joseph, all of a sudden, was blessed beyond measure. And there he too remembered that the Lord was with him. Joseph got married, and he had two sons, one named Manasseh, which means forget, and the second one named Ephraim, which means fruitful. And Joseph said, God has made me forget all my hardship and my whole family. And also, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see, even though things were not ideal, and even though he wasn't with his family, life was good now. Things were going well. But God wasn't interested in just making Joseph's life better. He had bigger things in mind. You see, this is the beginning of the story of God's people coming together and him forming an entire nation through whom Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, would come. And it's just an unfolding of a story that is just downright exciting as we see how he works in the lives and in the nations of the world to accomplish his purposes. But along with that, on an even more personal level, God was also interested in restoring the the broken relationships that Joseph had. So seven years of abundance came and Egypt stored up so much food, a massive amount under Joseph's capable leadership that they couldn't even keep track of it. And then the famine came. And it hit hard, and it affected Egypt, but it also affected all the surrounding regions and nations. And people began to come from all over to buy food from Egypt because they heard that there was food there. And among those people who came were Joseph's brothers. Now keep in mind that at this point, about 20 years had gone by, and Joseph probably looked different. On top of that, Egyptians didn't necessarily have beards, and so they, 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 they were clean-shaven and everything like that, unlike the Hebrew um, shepherds of the day. And so they probably, and he was dressed in, in royal regalia, and they probably did not recognize that their brother, Joseph, was in front of them as they bowed, just as his dream had said. And I can imagine the memories that came back to Joseph at that moment. The mistreatment, the abandonment, the broken relationships. Just like a tsunami wave hitting his mind and his heart. Randall in This Is Us finds himself going through a very long and painful journey of getting to know his dad, of coming to terms with what happened to him and why, while still maintaining a relationship with the family that he has grown to know and love. And that process is long. It's painful. It involves trying to establish a relationship that was broken many, many years before at at Randall's birth. 
Now, I don't mind telling you that if you read through, the, through Genesis, you will find that Joseph wasn't very kind to his brothers initially. He, he accused them of being spies. He put them in prison for three days. And then he kept one of the, one of the uh, brothers as prisoner while everybody else went back to get his younger brother. And even though they had no idea that they were dealing with Joseph, because the Bible says that he used an interpreter and he spoke Egyptian and somebody interpreted to, this, to, to, the, to the brothers what, what he was saying. And even though they didn't know that he knew the Hebrew language, they turned around and faced each other and they said, we're being punished because of what we did to our brother many years before. And the turmoil continued with trips, accusations, a host of events that were puzzling not only to his brothers, but also were deliberately done by Joseph. And maybe he wanted some payback, I don't know. But maybe he wanted to find out if he could reach out to his brothers once again, not as a ruler, not as somebody in authority, but as one of the family. And I wonder if he struggled with fear too. How are they going to take what I have to say? What if? What if? What if? And whenever we face broken relationships, we deal with those kind of things that come at us like crazy. In Genesis chapter 45, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And it is an incredibly emotional scene filled with sobbing that everybody could hear from Joseph. Fear from the brothers followed by comfort and joy. And it's at this point that the broken relationships begin to be mended, where bridges are rebuilt and brokenness is repaired. Folks, Over the years in my ministry and ever since I was a kid, I've been attached to this story. There's something about it that just grips me. And as I read through this and studied it once again in preparation for this message, I found my soul stirred even again because this story is so powerful because it reminds me that God is the God that heals broken relationships. And Joseph realized that there was only one way in which the broken relationship could be healed. And it was through one act, and it's called forgiveness. Folks, forgiveness is not saying that something bad never happened. Forgiveness is not saying that what a person did was okay. And it's not even conditional around whether or not a person says they're sorry. Forgiveness is simply saying that we choose not to hold something against those who hurt us. And we release that hurt and we refuse to let it control us again. And Joseph realized that even though he, what he had experienced from his brother's hands was not good, God had used it for good. So much so that at the end, in chapter 50, verse 20, after Jacob has died and the guys are still afraid that Joseph is going is to 
let, let loose on him and, and really, really take his revenge, he reassures them and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want to ask a question. Who do you need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? I know that God can forgive instantaneously. He says, I will remember your sins no more. And I wish we could do that, right? But as humans, let's be honest, forgiveness takes time, doesn't it? But it's the only thing that will heal broken relationships. It's not instantaneous. It's a process. It's a willful decision to forgive that must be repeated over and over and over again. And there were times when Joseph was alone with his thoughts while his brothers were traveling back and forth to Egypt by foot. And he probably went through emotions and he went through memories and he went through questions that ultimately resulted in some solutions during that time that resulted in God honoring and healing decisions. Not too long ago, something deeply rocked my family. Someone did something that deeply hurt a number of people in my tribe. And the ripple effects are deep. The long-term effects of those actions have yet to be determined. Now, folks, I've been, I've been around a while. I've been in ministry a long time. And there are a lot of things that I managed to put up with. But don't you mess with my family. Don't you mess with them. And if you want to get me riled up about something, you get me riled up about that. When family members that I deeply love are hurt and injured and lives are shattered, I want to lash back out. Now, it just so happens that the person who hurt the family knows what they have done and they are sorry, but they still hesitate to reach out. You see, they have deep brokenness in their own lives. And that brokenness has exploded and shattered the lives of other people. You've heard the saying, people who are hurt, hurt other people. And that is exactly what happened. I saw that person a few weeks ago. Don't worry, they're not from here, so don't wonder, oh no, who's he talking about? Okay? Nobody from here, okay? You're safe. I went up and hugged him. And as I did, I said to him, I've wanted to punch you and hug you at the same time. And I choose to do the latter. 
folks, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice and it's hard. And there will be moments when you want to punch instead of hug. And there will be a need for to go back at the moment where you decided to forgive and say, no, I gave this over to God. I will forgive and by his grace, I will continue to do so. And if you do that enough over the course of time, you will find healing in your life. And the choice of forgiveness is always worth it. Because we're most teachable in those broken moments. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I'm sure that the lessons that Joseph learned were, in his life were not in the comfort of Pharaoh's palace. We hardly ever learn something whenever we're comfortable, do we? It's in the midst of adversity that all of a sudden things really start coming together, that we start seeing some things that we never saw before. And I'm sure that Joseph learned some valuable lessons as he was chained to a Midianite caravan, as he was sold as meat into a slave market, and and, and as Potiphar became his owner and controlled his life, as he was confined to prison, In those moments, Joseph learned humility. He learned the value of hard work. He learned the clear objectives, the need for clear objectives and clear decision-making. And most of all, he learned how to rely on God completely through everything that he went through. But something else about brokenness is that brokenness allows for us to reach out to other people as well who are broken. You see, Joseph's brothers were broken, and maybe they didn't realize it at the time. But because Joseph had experienced brokenness, he was able to reach out to them. He was able to show kindness to them. He was able to provide for them. He was able to love them and forgive them. In Japan, there's a custom... uh, I can't remember what, what it's called. I think Kintsugu or something like that that, that. that talks about when a vase in a container falls and breaks, the owners will pick up all of the pieces and they will send it off to get it put back together. And a special epoxy is used, but not just the epoxy to glue it back together, but... Uh, some gold powder or silver powder or platinum powder is mixed in so that the cracks and the the repairs are very, very visible. And the teaching is that even though the object had value before it was broken, it is even more valuable after the brokenness. And by the same token, folks, I'm here to tell you that God in his grace can use our brokenness to help others who are broken. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings 
And so through Christ, we share abundantly in his comfort too. And Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers is simply a small picture, just kind of a snapshot or a Polaroid shot, if you will, of, 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 of God's forgiveness of us and what he offers to us and how he offers to bridge a broken relationship with him because it was our sin, it's your sin and my sin that hopelessly separated us from him. It banished us from his presence because a holy and perfect God cannot coexist with unholiness and sinfulness. And so Jesus came and our sin put Jesus on the cross and killed him in our place because God used Jesus to be the bridge through which we could be reunited with him and reestablish a broken relationship with him so that the brokenness would be there no more. And when we trust in Jesus and believe in his name and surrender our lives to him, believing that he is truly the son of God and that he is the only one who can forgive us of that brokenness. And we trust in him by repenting of our sins, by turning away from them and saying, God, I'm so sorry. And we surrender to him in belief. And we confess his name and are baptized into him. God forgives us. Our relationship with him is no longer broken. It is healed. You see, Joseph forgave his brothers. But Jesus offers to forgive every single one of us to restore and heal broken relationships. And yet it's something that he expects for us as his followers to model. So much so that Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as in Christ. God forgave you. There are some people in this room who have broken relationships that you're dealing with. It may be with somebody in this room. It may be with somebody that's 200 miles away. It may be with somebody that has already died. And my question to you is, who do you need to forgive? And maybe at the conclusion of this service, you need to go to the prayer wall You need to write down the name of that person. And as you place that prayer request in the wall, you need to ask God to give you the strength to do what you say you're going to do, and that is to forgive and to begin to heal and mend that broken relationship. But there are other people in this room who have a broken relationship with God. And if that describes you, then he calls you to come to the cross, to come to Jesus and allow his blood to heal that brokenness, that brokenness that you have so that he can forgive your sin. Father, we come to you right now thanking you, thanking you for your forgiveness, thanking you for your grace, for your strength. I pray, Lord, that you would deal with each one of us as we make decisions right now, right here. And I pray, Father, through your spirit, you would move 
that you would convict. Not just so that we'll feel bad or anything like that, but you, you will convict us to action. And that we will have the courage to do what you, we know you want us to do. I pray in Jesus' name.